This is the EPLOG audio experience. Film is clearly a sophisticated art, possibly the most important art of the 20th century with a rather complex history of theory and practice, writes James Monaco in his book How to Read a Film. So far in our podcast, The Artists, we have had filmmakers, writers, critics, programmers from some of the top film festivals, musicians, thinkers, defining their combinatorial skills. We at Metaphysical Lab have been striving to expand the realm of our podcast, which in turn gives a wider uh, canvas to the understanding of our experiences. And also we have tied up with Epilogue Media, the podcasting network. So you can find us on their website, Epilogue Media slash The Artist. And of course, you can continue to listen to us on the platforms that you choose from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to GeoSavon to Google Podcast. Everything is mentioned in the description. And of course, you can reach us uh, on the WhatsApp number and our email ID. I'm your host, Suchita, and I'm looking forward to a wonderful journey ahead with all of you. Hi guys, welcome to the 103rd episode of our podcast, The Artist, where the main talking point is the word entertainment. So what does this often used word entertainment really mean in today's times when we are bombarded with content, various forms of content, various forms of storytelling and movies? What does this word entertaining mean when everyone is a creator and a consumer? Our guest for today is the wonderful Mayank Shekhar, who is an Indian film critic, journalist and author, and he has worked with some of the leading newspapers in India. Please enjoy the conversation. Hi, Mayank. Welcome to our podcast, The Artist. And uh, thank you for joining in and thank you for being part of this conversation. And I'm going to start, Mayank, with uh, that brilliant example that you did at the podcast lab. And just to get a bit, the listeners to know you better, how do you do extempore? Well, uh, well, thank you very much for having me on your show, on your podcast. Um, thank you very much for the note that you sent me uh, after the, uh, the podcast lab. I think it was with the India Film Company, is that right? Yes, yes. Uh, yes. Project, yes. Um, well, I don't think anything is uh, extemporary, honestly speaking. Right. Uh, at some point or the other, anything that you say, you sort of thought about. Uh, some of it, of course, comes at the spur of the moment, but uh, it couldn't be something that you've not thought about before. And I think the particular conversation was on the art of making conversation and to a huge extent as journalists, that's really what we do, right? I mean, we make conversations with people uh, and it could be people from varied fields. It could be people on various platforms. It could be for print, it could be for audio, it could be for video, but effectively what you're trying to do is make a conversation with someone you don't know too well, right? Uh, right. It's one thing to make a conversation with with friends and family it's quite another to get people to open up uh, sometimes in very little time that you have with them uh, and so it's it's a subject that's really close to me uh, as an individual as a person more more than anything else more than even being in media as a, uh, as a profession i genuinely think that the one of the biggest problems of the world is that we're not we're not listening uh, to each other enough uh, and listening is actually one half or in fact the more important half of the art of conversation anyway. Um, 
so yeah, so uh, it wasn't extempore. It seemed like it, uh, which is also part of the the whole thing of making it seem like it's conversational. If I were to like do a PowerPoint presentation, it'd be extremely boring. Uh, I really hope this wasn't so boring. But uh, but yeah, it wasn't extempore. It was it was stuff that I thought about before. Right, great, great. Mentami, you are an entertainment editor with a leading newspaper. I have very keen interest in understanding what is entertainment when we use the word entertainment. How do you use or how do you imply when we say that piece was entertaining, that movie was entertaining? It's a good question. I think we tend to believe entertainment as a form uh, which essentially titillates us in some ways. Uh, it's entertaining. That means you have to leave your, you know, your, your brain behind because it's very entertaining. So it should not even make sense sometimes. But mm -hmm. I think the correct definition of entertainment would be engagement. Uh, and anything that engages you beyond a period of time mm -hmm. uh, automatically entertains you. Uh, you know, you entertain the thought of also that engagement itself. You spend time with it. Uh, you give it attention. You pay mm -hmm. it attention. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes you pay money also. Uh, which is also a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, as I see it, the way the word entertainment is used uh, is actually a replacement for engagement. Man, you're saying entertainment is engagement, synonymous. So when we're saying engagement, and then you are seeing it as a film critic versus an audience is seeing, do you see that there are sort of differences in the criteria, the paradigms in which it's measured, the word entertainment? Not at all. I don't think there is any particular yardstick or measure of watching entertainment that is different for a quote-unquote professional critic and a, a quote-unquote audience. I think everyone is an audience to start with. The only difference between me and uh, any other member of the audience is that they watch something, they'll probably discuss it with their friends and that's the end of their conversation with that piece of work. Whereas my work really starts there. Uh, after having seen it, to sort of think about what I felt about it, think about why did it not engage me or why it did engage me, to think about stuff that that the film uh, in this particular case, it could be even a series, uh, uh, got me uh, uh, in touch with. You know, there are certain there are certain thoughts that come to your mind when you watch something. So, like a film is also about something. So, what's that about? Uh, you know, your your mind goes through those those aspects too, and then you know you sort of put all those. Uh, you know, aspects together, uh, viewing a piece of work through multiple lenses. One, of course, is the narrative lens, which is the story itself. The other uh, is, is the genre lens in the case of film, or it could be the audio lens in yeah. the case of film, the person who's made it, the people who are behind it. And there's a historical lens of, you know, every piece of art is actually an extension of another piece of art, you know, from art comes another art, right? So yeah. you sort of also place it um, in, in a historical perspective. All of it put together, I think, becomes a piece that someone writes. But, you know, I would be doing disservice to myself if I'm thinking about that while I'm watching something. So you have to sort of submit yourself to, uh, to the big screen. I'm so glad the theaters are back. Uh, and to the experience. And once you've come out of the experience, you sort of respond, uh, you know, in words, what you, know, what you went through. And that's a review. Right, right. So, of course, the narrative lens, the audio lens, the genre lens. But as we're progressing and heading towards uh, times that are changing so drastically, every day there's a new innovation. Everything is like we're talking about Web3, we're talking about Metaverse, we're talking about NFTs, we're talking about the gaming industry. 
we're talking about movies, cinemas, we're talking about the content economy, creators' economy. Uh, as we're moving forward, there's so much to engage us, as you use the word, yeah. or entertain yeah. us. So when you're coming back to movie making, or when we're coming back to watching a film, do you see that there could be a very solid influence of what could possibly entertain or engage us? No, absolutely. I think a lot of our own response to the world around us and films are no different. They are just taking us, transporting us into another world. Uh, has a lot to do with our own exposure levels, has to do with our own interests that have been developed over years. You know, um, no two people are going to, you know, respond the same way to another person. Uh, yeah. So no two people are going to respond the same way to another experience, right? Yeah. So, and we sort of are a product of our own experiences. We're adding to it and sometimes we're subtracting from it, right? So yeah, which is, which is what makes uh, opinion in that sense, or perspective in that sense, deeply individualistic, deeply yeah. individual, uh, you know. So there is, there is that aspect that you can't take away and, and which is why one shouldn't speak on behalf of others. They should only speak for themselves. Right? Yeah. There is a tendency among a lot of people to speak on behalf of people. Everyone tends to speak on behalf of people. You know, media people speak on behalf of people. This is, this is what the nation wants to know. I mean, how do you know what the nation wants to know? <laughs> the nation's probably, you know, busy trying to make a living. For God's yeah. sake. You know, yeah. the nation is trying to uh, yeah. you know, live a, a happy life, for God's yeah. sake. What do you mean the nation wants to know? So this speaking on behalf of, uh, which is also part of politics, which is also part of uh, mass culture in general, that this is what people are going to like. Is, is a terrible trap uh, to begin with. Um, we shouldn't fall into it. And yes, we should remember that anything that we're saying, it's coming, it's really coming from us, uh, from our own authentic understanding of something. Which is a brilliant point. Your own individualism, your own, in everything is becoming what you are almost like custom making it, you know. So when yeah. you're talking about cinema or entertainment that's individualistic, when we're talking about the word individualistic, where yeah. does it leave? Now, since you being from the industry, you understand how movies get made. You understand how, you know, books are being written. You know, understand, you know, how the gaming industry works or how games, what kind of games are being liked or being manufactured or being made. What is it that the creators should sort of keep in mind or think about when you're talking about creating any form of engaging content or movies? Well, I don't think I'm the right person to give <laughs> advice on what creators should do or should mm -hmm. not do, mm -hmm. uh, besides the fact that they should do what they feel like doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, the, there has been a massive paradigm shift in terms mm -hmm. of this whole creator and, um, and audience uh, relationship, right? Never yeah. in the history of entertainment have there been as many creators as there are consumers. Practically mm -hmm. everyone is a creator. What you're yeah. doing right now is as a creator and someone who will then watch this and leave a remark uh, under this is also a creator. You know, he's left what's unquote, quote unquote, a review of that piece of work mm -hmm. uh, and might want to do another conversation based on this and then create another podcast on it. So everyone literally is, is a creator plus consumer. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what tends to work in the long run is a certain level of consistency. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if I, if I see a certain, uh, you know, Consistency in terms of of the you know of the work itself, in terms of uh, uh, what is it that you know what they're trying to say, um, and the second thing is authenticity. I think if if it seems like it's coming from a real space, uh, people tend to connect um, quicker. Uh, as against if it's coming from a space which is very derived, which you think will work, 
which you think has worked in the past i mean those 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 decisions need to be taken when you know there was mass entertainment companies and you want to like reach out to the maximum numbers but i think if you are a content creator you have to start with yourself uh, as something that you enjoy doing uh, as something that you would enjoy consuming yourself whatever it is that you create and from there of course the, the that that whole world is going to grow and it will only grow if it, if it seems real to somebody right right so so you're saying that you cannot you cannot as a creator measure what you're putting out there in terms of an entertainment or engagement value of your content you can just be authentic to what you're creating and then see how it sort of what kind of engagement it derives from the audience out there and what kind of community you build in no i mean you you can do what you like i'm just saying right. that i personally for me the level of engagement is very high when yes. i feel that there is that piece of work is authentic it right. seems like coming from a real space it yeah. seems that there's something they want to say and this is the medium they found uh, to say it and it right. could be anything it could be a tiktok or whatever tiktok yes. this exists instagram yeah. reel it could be it could be a post on facebook it could be a film it could be a short film it could be a essay it could be yes. a poem i think the medium of expression is not so important that is that is merely a a, a function of craft that is something that you're good at but yeah. what you want to say um uh, is 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 very important and and how consistently you say and how i can feel that is coming from a real space is is rather important too. right man tell me this you're an author you are you're a critic and you uh, you you've done massive amount of work and read your work often when you were engaging with a movie and writing about it say 5 6 7 years earlier versus you are writing now versus you're going to be writing 5 years from now do you see yourself transforming in the process of viewing uh the film the way you used to view 5 years earlier no i i mean uh when back when i was in my early 20s when i look back now uh i felt that i wasn't so empathetic at all and there was an element in my writing which was tending towards stand up comedy uh but was deeply dismissive uh it was it was highly entertaining and really funny too and it was coming from a real state that's really the guy guy i was in my 20s right Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is there is obviously over time you also change as a person and it reflects in everything you do including uh writing because you can't hide behind words for too long right if you if you write as much as a lot of us do say i do which is like about say two or three columns a week minimum mm-hmm. um hey you know you get found out your your real self will come out you can't you can't you can't fudge it for too long so uh mm-hmm. this is again the kind of writing i do is still i'd like to believe or hope that it's it's still my authentic self uh, and and i'm so glad i'm not the same guy as i was in the 20s because there is some evolution here you know with 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 time with with exposure with experience uh with the world alongside you change uh, you know and all of us should so i yeah. think there may be an element of that but i'm not i'm not going i'm perhaps not a great judge of it. It, it it whatever it is must have been subconscious I certainly haven't consciously told myself, okay, now uh, stop with that. Now let's start doing this. It's it's probably I just when I read something which I wrote in my twenties, I just feel like wow, this is like this is lethal, you know? Uh, would I really would I really write like that now? And maybe I would. I don't know, but that's how I wrote that. Right. Do you see like for example, you are reviewing a film, and do you see yourself that you are going to change the 
you know, the, the elements that you view as engagement or entertaining in the next five years? In what sense? In the sense that if you're viewing a content and you're also viewing a film, but, you know, for example, if you're viewing an Instagram video, that's supposed yeah. is making you more, it, it, it is, it stands for a certain kind of entertainment versus yeah. when we're talking about movie making, it stands for storytelling and different kinds of storytelling. But do you see yourself getting influenced by other forms of entertainment? When no, you, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, form uh, determines content, right? The medium determines content a lot of the time. The way you view it has a lot to do with how you receive it. Uh, if you watch a really crappy film in a theater, uh, an act that involved you getting up, taking a cab or driving down uh, all the way, about an hour away, stuck in a jam, then the movie starts, you know, they, you can't take your eyes off the screen. It's a dark hall. Uh, and if it's, there's an assault, on your senses, you will be hit much harder than if it was playing on your, uh, uh, on your uh, screen, um, either on your phone or if, it was, if you were on a flight. Like for instance, I've never ever not loved everything I watched on a flight for some odd reason. I like anything that's playing because I didn't intend to watch that, right? It, I'm on a flight, I was gonna go there anyway. It's a small screen and I, I seem to enjoy it because what else to do at this point, right? Are you, are you, um, saying, so, are you saying it in the button here? Are you saying that the entertainment or the engagement value of a piece of content is different in the different situations that you find yourself in? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so are um, you saying that a crappy film that you, you must have hated while watching in a PVR, you absolutely loved while you were flying? Is it possible? Well, I, I, haven't, I haven't tried that, but I'm absolutely mm. certain that mm. if I had watched the same thing randomly if it was coming on TV, I wouldn't be so badly hit by it, you know, because TV is essentially chewing up the brain, right? So you don't really need like 100% attention for it. It's when you pay 100% attention, which is what you do in a, in a cinema, and in return, you get crap, is when you get really angry, right? You're deeply disappointed. The context defines your, your entertainment value of a piece of filmmaking as well. The context in which yeah. you find yourself, is it? Uh, the way you do it, it's not just me. I'm absolutely certain it's true for everyone. The way you, the way you receive it, um, the way you receive a piece of work uh, in the form that you do, the medium in which you do changes everything. You're not going to, if there is a certain way we scroll on our screen, the way we consume that is very different from if you were reading a book, right? And the way you receive a book from what's in it is very different from how you receive an Insta read, right? Um, so oh, for that matter, I'm, I'm talking about deep reading, of course, or deep watching, for that matter. The level of engagement there is in the cinema is, is incredible. I think the only thing that comes closest to me when I'm watching something is actually my phone. My phone that is right above my eye, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and my headphones. I can't look anywhere else. There's literally nothing between me and the screen, uh, which is also true for a cinema. Um, so when I, I want some deep engagement in terms of deep watching, uh, say, for instance, if it's work, right? I prefer to watch it if I'm not watching in the big screen, in the theater, I prefer to watch it on my phone uh, rather than TV or even laptop. I just want nothing between me and that piece of work. And, and then when you're, when you're giving uh, something that much attention and in return, you're getting crap, then obviously you're pissed off more. Man, tell me, do you think what you just said or, you know, what came out of it, are you saying or... 
I should not say, are you saying, I should just say that, are you, would you possibly be implying about the human nature saying that nothing can be crappy or nothing can be brilliant? It, it's just the oh, context. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I don't think any movie is as bad as it made out to be, or is it even, <laughs> as, or even as good as it made out to be? You right. know, uh, it's, it, there is a context to it. I mean, for instance, my favorite films are not the greatest of cinema. Mm. These are films that I watched as a child. Mm. And I was so blown by those experiences that mm. I keep their posters in my room mm. because it's, you know, there was an innocence to that moment. There's a certain way I watched it. There's a mm. memory to it, uh, you know, that's attached to, to my brain, which is impossible, but to be replaced by anything else. You know, I may watch Citizen Kane with a certain level of awe, but for me, uh, Big, which is a Tom Hanks film, is something else, you know? Mm. It did something to me. Yeah. So, uh, so it changes with time, it changes with medium, it changes with a person's individual exposure levels, it changes with their own phase that they're in, uh, too many things. Uh, and I'm just not just saying this about film, it would be true for every experience that we have, you know? Right, right. The first time you went on a, on a plane is a very different thing. You remember that one time that you went on a plane, the first time we went to a theater, the first time you, um, you know, perhaps, you know, you went abroad. You know, like these are these are memories that that are irreplaceable with time. I mean, I think our memories are bookended. We, we sort of remember the beginnings and we sort of remember the re recent. In between, there's like a big hole uh, out there. That's true for most people and, and their memory patterns. Anyway. Right. Man, man, tell me this, and I'm going to be sort of, get, you know, a bit in the, uh, from the creator side, I'm going to be no. talking here. We're talking about algorithms and we're talking about, for example, uh, because our podcast is called The Artist and we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of filmmakers, uh, filmmaking community uh, listen to the podcast. And when, for example, a filmmaker goes out there and pitches a piece of work, for example, to, 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 to a studio or to a uh, you know, producer or, or even when, for example, OTT platforms that use algorithms to determine whether a film needs to get made or, made or not on the basis of certain criteria that come, comes across. What I want to understand from you as somebody who's deep into movies is that do you think because engagement is contextual and because as we sort of move ahead with times, the attention span is reducing, and we have so much of engagement around us. Do you think that people who put money in the creation of content should know what engagement defines for them? And do you think that we need to be fluid in terms of gauging a piece of movie making or work on, on, on whom or on the piece of work that money is going to be put in? Well, um, it has to be said here, of all the creative expressions that exist, uh, cinema is perhaps the least artistic. And when I say the least artistic, I don't mean as a pejorative. I mean the least uh, expressive for, you know, for, from an individual's point of view, because it involves multiple variables. Yeah. It involves a lot of people's work and effort. It involves technology. It involves commerce, more, most importantly, because there's an investment, right? And then, of course, it also involves art, right? So um, it is also, I think, the most right-wing uh, or most capitalistic of all arts. And there's hierarchy in it. 
Uh, it's yes. it's not the same thing as you know a bunch of people who put together uh, a play or or just you just put you know start typing something and that becomes a book. Yes. It's, yes. You know, or you just start painting and just between you and the canvas, right? So there's just too many variables, and one needs to acknowledge that. And and whenever there is an investment which is outside the artists, I mean these people are not aren't there to fulfill your dream. They're there to make their money. And yeah. one needs to understand that, right? So they're going to figure out ways in which they can reduce their losses or actually increase their gains or, or make it a profitable investment. And they'll use every you know, uh, metric there is. They'll use every yeah. measurement possible to make sure that whatever is being made is going to be enjoyed uh, by people. And this has always been the case. This has been the case in the beginning of cinema. There were always investors. There were always financiers. There were also studios. Um, and they had to hire a lot of people and all those things. So it's impossible for someone like you or me to tell somebody what they should do with their money. You know, uh, if you have the money, go make whatever you like. Right? It doesn't matter. Uh, people will watch it, won't watch it. You know, the whole idea was expression for you. You've done it. You know, your, your part is over and done with. But that's not how industries work. Right? They don't work on grants and they don't work on private money. They work on you know, shared money, they work on investors, they work on capitalists. Uh, so yeah, so I don't think it's, it's right uh, to sort of uh, tell people what they should do with their money, or, frankly, right? But I think what's changed also is that cinema, like with all other media, right? The gatekeepers um, are, are going away. If not, they'll obviously never be gone, gone, but they're going away. And so nothing really stops you from expressing yourself. If expression is your only, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, the result you're looking for, uh, you can make a film. You don't have to make an expensive film. If there's something you want to say through a story, through a film, you can. Likewise, if you want to do photography, you can. Uh, you know, if you want to paint and, and expect people to watch your painting, it is technically possible now. You don't need an art gallery anymore. So, I mean, we've reached a point where I think there will be the industry, but there'll also be expression in ways that are more individualistic. And, you know, thereafter people discover. And a lot of these in, in individualistic pieces, are big, you know, form a cult of their own. Also, there is no possibility of defining what could possibly be the criteria of engagement and entertainment while you are, you know, uh, you know, reading a script or trying to make a film. It is something that is sort of, I think, I think by and large, we're moving towards and a common understanding hmm. between all stakeholders that that needs to be an element of art in what is a commercial project. And there needs to be an element of commerce in what's effectively also an artistic project, an hmm. artistic dream. Uh, the hmm. two will have to marry each other. Uh, the two cannot uh, mutually uh, uh, you know, be exclusive to each other. And that's how... That's how the audiences have responded over the mm. past few years. And, and that's why you, you see what I would think is the golden age of, of content uh, in India and across the world, mm. uh, purely because you have the choice and you will eventually see the variety. And you'll also see that there is no formula anymore, you know, mm. because the only formula is that there is none, right? So, so mm. I think beyond the common understanding that there needs to be art and commerce and commerce and art, um, everything else is subjective. Tell me, Matt, when you see a film which is the Bollywood film versus the film that, say, 
as it's been defined as an art, art house cinema or maybe world cinema, do you see it from different lenses or just purely as an audience? Purely as an audience. Um, I can't see a very massive distinction between art house and mainstream. That's it's impossible for me to, to make that little connection in their head. I think engagement is engagement. I think storytelling is storytelling. I think authenticity is authenticity. I think uh, entertainment is entertainment, right? Um, yes, for a lot of people, uh, a lot of things that I perhaps find very entertaining, it may not be because the exposure levels for cinema may not be that high. But I think that 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 uh, exposure is also happening uh, over time. And, and you can see that with audiences. And, and now nobody has an excuse. You know, you can reject it. You don't like it. But you can watch all kinds of uh, cinema from all eras, uh, from all countries. They're available to you on your phone, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think, uh, I, so what is known as art house, I think will eventually become cool uh, in due course of time. Mm, that's another Tell me, Meg, some of your favorite films that you've watched in recent times. Well, I don't have a favorite. Um, I mean, I do actually have lots of favorites. Um, as I told you, the favorites are always ones that, that are closest to you because of how they defined you, um, how they defined your memories, how you mm -hmm. saw them, how you received them. So, you know, I have all these, uh, you know, these movies, like I told you, Big, I totally loved when I was a child. There's a movie called Wayne's World. I started talking like those mm -hmm. two guys in Wayne's World. I started mm -hmm. shaking my head like that, you know, in my teens. It, it really, mm -hmm. and I, we started a, um, you know, a, a we, we planned to start a basement a cable channel of our own after watching that film. So that's the level of impact Wayne's World had on me. Um, uh, uh, of course, uh, 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 Jerry Maguire, I thought it was a fantastic film. Um, you know, so these are movies that are that are really like movies are memories. Yeah, like all art, music are memories also. You know, there's a reason why we constantly go back to the same songs that we heard before, uh, because it reminds us of something, right? Uh, mm. uh, um, Hindi movies. I mean, Satya is, has has remained my all-time favorite. We are distinctly even now remember how it affected me when I watched it. Right, a uh, uh, Bandit Queen. How it affected me when I was a child. I was underage. I shouldn't have been watching Bandit Queen to begin with. Right, so I shouldn't have been in the theater. But it really hit me. It shook me. to sleep that say, that night. Right, so so these are movies that you just sort of remember them for what they did to you. I am not a huge fan of ranking films on the basis of uh, you know technique or on the basis of um, you know all time greats because the world thinks so. Uh, those are fake lists. But those are consensus. And we should arrive at that. And I'd love to be part of some larger consensus on what, what the great movies were. But this list will be from something very, very personal. Uh, and I think that is true for most of us. A lot of people lie about what their favorite movie is, but they don't want to tell you that they actually liked that Govinda movie in the 90s. <laughs> it, someone's going to judge yeah, them. But yeah, I, I yeah. love the Govinda movies in the 90s. Other Hasina Manjai was a fantastic film, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's a very varied list, but it's mm -hmm. a very personal list. It doesn't follow anything in particular besides your memory of it. Tell me, man, any predictions from you as a film critic, as a film lover, in terms of the next, say, couple of years of where exactly storytelling slash cinema is heading? It's impossible to predict. I mean, mm -hmm. technology right now where we are, I have absolutely no clue where we're heading. And, and as it turns out, nobody else does either, right? I mean, uh, Facebook started Metaverse, and I think Zuckerberg was asked very, you know, honestly, exactly what he's going to do. He has, he has no clue, but he knows that some instant is going in some direction, right? 
Now the level of impact AR is going to have or VR is going to have, um, forget entertainment in our own lives that we could be somewhere else while we are here, right? And live in another world altogether. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not sci-fi anymore. It's yeah. very much reality. Yeah. What we're doing right now is very much reality, right? I mean, we've done this for two years. We've had full conversations, run organizations over these kind of conversations while staying in our homes. We, nobody thought that was possible. The real estate industry would have collapsed if people you know, knew that this was possible. There's a lot of money to be saved. So um, impossible for me to predict, but I do believe that one thing will stay. The experience of going out with friends, going out on dates, sitting in a hall, watching something, uh, coming out, having dinner, you know, as much as we're going to be sequestered by new media and these, uh, you know, metaverse experiences, I think we will always crave human company. We will always crave uh, to sit next to someone. Um, mm -hmm. We will always have an outing. And I, I'm absolutely certain we'll always have the theater, the cinema. It may not be so many of them. God knows what kind of happen, but there will be that one that you can go to. And I'm so glad about that. So the experiential will become the entertaining. Uh, no, I'm saying we will still, for all the stuff that's going to happen, that's going to like sort of uh, get us into this world, which is altogether virtual, we will still crave physical company. And we will still love going to the movies. Right. Awesome, awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Mayank Shaker. Thank you for Thank you so the podcast. For me, some of the greatest takeaways has been that entertainment is becoming highly individualistic. Also, the value of entertainment depends on the state of the receiver. Also, what the film does to you at that point. So then that again becomes highly individualistic. So how do you define what is entertaining for you? Ponder on this, let us know what you think about it. You can follow the podcast update of the artist on our Twitter and Insta handles, Metaphysical Lab, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Stay well.